This is the Simi Sarah Show On Demand. Subscribe now on iTunes. Listen to the show each weekday 10 to 2 on 980 CKNW and through the Radio Player app. So by now you've probably heard about some of the items that were in the federal budget that was tabled last week. And the liberal Trudeau government has been out there trying to sell all the different items in there. But one of the interesting aspects was money that was going to be put towards supporting some Canadian news organizations. Does the media really need a, a bailout? There, it's quite limited as to who or which organization can actually apply for this. And just for the record, broadcasting is completely left out of that. There's no broadcasting organizations that can apply for it. But is there a better way to approach this situation? Is there a better way to support news organizations in Canada? Let's talk more about this now with the help of Sean Holman. Now, Sean is the founder of Public Eye, one of the people who believes that there are other important things that we need to address. And he's a professor in journalism and founder of Public Eye. So Sean joins us now. Hi, Sean. Hi, how are you doing, Timmy? I am good. Thanks so much for joining us to talk about this. I was—I have to say, I, have to, I was a bit surprised by the breadth of this uh, support that was in the budget last week. Were you? Yeah, I mean, it is a fairly substantial chunk of change, and obviously the news media in this country has been lobbying for some form of federal government support for quite some time. Uh, We can go all the way back to 2017, for example, and take a look at this big report that came out called The Shattered Near, which was government commissioned but had a lot of industry input, and in that report... There was a lot of calls from the industry for some money. So we are seeing the results of that lobbying in this particular budget, looking at uh, about uh, $600 million, which is a substantial chunk of change. That is a substantial chunk of change. So who, what organizations are eligible to apply for this? Well, that's a good question. There's awful lot of controversy about that. As you mentioned, Simi, uh, broadcasters aren't allowed to apply for that particular funding, and that would supposedly include podcasters as well. There's also some restrictions on the kind of content. We're talking about general interest news as opposed to something that serves a specific area like sports for example. Um, And then you also get into what does that organization actually look like? And when it comes to that, we're talking about something that has two or more journalists working for it. So the list goes on. And there's a lot of conversation within the news media right now about whether or not those restrictions are the right thing to do, uh, what other restrictions might want to be put in place, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But I think we're having a little bit of a, uh, the wrong conversation right now. Um, it is understandable that the media is anxious about their own bottom lines. And it is understandable that they are blaming the Internet and all that the Internet has wrought for the problems that they're having right now. But I think we're also ignoring some Canadian-specific problems that are impacting the news media. Okay, like what? What do you mean? Well, so there's a couple things that I think we need to take a look at. Um, The first thing that I think a lot of people assume, uh, at least in the news media and also politicians, is that there's a lot of people in this country who want public interest news about Canada. That's easy for us to assume because we talk to a lot of people like that all the time. In fact, that's our audiences, right? 
But if we actually take a look at, for example, levels of political knowledge across Canada, more people actually know who the Prime Minister of Russia is than they do the Premier of their own province. So that doesn't actually speak to a population that is clamoring for news about Canada. And you can kind of understand why, because our political system gives us very little opportunity to actually use the news we get about public interest issues. I mean, as you know, Simi, thanks to party discipline, most of our elected representatives don't really listen to us during between elections. The only time they listen to us is during an election. Um, And that's a very limited window where it pays to pay attention. Do you think that maybe we just we find politics or stories from elsewhere just more fascinating than what we have at home? Well, and there's a good reason for that is because we as journalists don't actually have access to a lot of the information that would make stories interesting. Most of our government takes place behind closed doors. Most of the information it has is kept behind closed doors to say nothing of corporate information in this country. So we actually don't have the wherewithal to provide interesting public interest information to the people of Canada. And that's a real barrier when it comes to ginning up interest in our industry and in the public interest. Okay, so what kind of stories are you talking about? Like what would make a difference that would suddenly get people interested in Canadian politics? Um, I can go on at length, actually, about that, about the amount of information we don't have access to in this country, not just because we don't track it, but also because government bars access to it. So a really easy example is safety and environmental violations at mines. That was a very big issue in British Columbia a couple of years back, and government does have some of that information, but it keeps a lot of it under lock and key. So we can't, as journalists, do the same kind of due diligence and the same kind of reporting about problems at those mines as a reporter down in the States would be able to do. So that issue goes uncovered, that issue goes unpaid attention to, but even if we could pay attention to it, Right. We couldn't do much about it. You know what, Sean? It's interesting that you're saying this because it reminds me of that whole Florida man thing that was going around last week. And yeah. one of the reasons why there's so many story, crazy stories from Florida is that they have very open and transparent public records so that anybody who gets arrested for something silly, it is in the public domain and somebody writes a story about it, which gets clicks. Exactly. So it makes it out that Florida is this crazy, really interesting place. But I'm willing to bet that Canada is just as crazy and is just <laughs> as interesting. It's just don't have access to the kind right. of information that would make it interesting. Okay, now I see where you're going with this. Okay, is that we don't, we think we're boring because we don't ever hear anything about ourselves. Exactly. And we also, in fairness, don't do a lot to teach history in Canada that would make us more interesting. We don't do a lot to teach media literacy and civic literacy, how our system actually works and how the media actually works in this country. And that suppresses our interest, too. For example, if I told you that the CIA was actually conducting mind control experiments in Montreal at a McGill Psychiatric Institution, that seems like a really interesting story, doesn't it? Of course. Absolutely. But no one knows about it. And it was a huge controversy in Canada, a real controversy in Canada during the late 70s and early 80s. And the only reason we were able to figure out that that was happening was because of freedom of information laws in the United States.
Huh. Okay. So then this whole idea of this money that's unavailable for news organizations, like to me, this sounds like a slippery slope, right? Like relying on government money just to keep yourself afloat doesn't seem to be a very successful model. Yeah, exactly. And I think what we need to do is we need to put in place systems. We need to put in place structures in Canada that actually create a demand for news and a reason for people to demand that news. That's what we really need, because we're going to be having this same conversation, I'm willing to bet, five years from now, if those changes don't actually happen. This is a Band-Aid, right? And it's not a great Band-Aid, to be frank, either. But it is just a Band-Aid. We need some real societal changes that are going to make not just the media environment better in this country, but also our whole entire civic life in this country. Imagine a country where people's voices actually mattered, where the news actually mattered, right? That is a vibrant country. That is a vibrant democracy. That is a democracy that people are invested in. And we're just not invested in it right now. And as democracy goes, so goes journalism. Well put. Sean, thank you so much for your time today. No worries whatsoever, Simi. My pleasure. That is Sean Holman, who's a professor in journalism and founder of the investigative news service Public Eye.